Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. Today, I'm exploring how incumbent energy retailers are navigating the energy transition, moving away from focusing only on selling kilowatt hours and becoming more agile, more customer-centric, and helping their customers with added value products, services, and solutions. To explore this, I'm talking with Arjun van der Heck, who is currently CEO of Energy E-Mobility Solutions, and before that has worked for several years in the retail businesses of Essent in the Netherlands and Energy in Germany and beyond. Hello, Arjun. Hi, John. Nice to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us. Um, Arjun, let's uh, start by this challenge I described in the introduction for energy retailers to move away from commodity, away from kilowatt hours, uh, or away from that only, and towards services solutions uh, becoming more customer-centric and more agile. How how big do you think that challenge is based on your experience? Well, I think it's a, it's a big challenge for any company, um, not only uh, do they have to deeply understand totally new customer needs uh, that they have not been looking at in the past? So really understanding the customer needs in depth, uh, and and they also need to to buy or develop the right value propositions. They have to develop the the, the right delivering capabilities, the business models. So it's it's a really a complex, uh, a large scale change for for energy companies. Now, 10, 10 years ago or, or more, I would joke with uh, some energy retailers that they don't think of their their customers as customers. They think of their customers as meter points and addresses that they send bills to. Um, is that? Do you think that's too too uh, harsh to think of that was where many energy retailers were? Or can you see aspects of what I what I say from your experiences? Well, I think this this is definitely where we came from. Eh? We, we it was not a liberal liberalized market, so uh, the customers could not leave anyway. So it was easy to talk about customers as connections or meter points. Or, uh, but fortunately, those times are in in most European countries uh, long behind us. Uh, I, I um, experienced the Dutch uh, liberalization and unbundling of the market uh, up close and personal. And that started in mm-hmm. 2007 already. So, for for the the B two C customers, so it's it's a long time ago. And I think by now uh, they they are definitely in a in totally different place and have developed a lot of the the skill sets that really uh, customer focused companies need. And in terms of that journey that they've been on, uh, using the Netherlands as an example. Um, how what what would you looking back what would you highlight as the toughest parts of that journey or can you bring out two or three points that really bring home the challenges in that well i think one of them you already named is it's the, the creating the real customer focus the mindset uh, that, that that belongs to that and 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 ingraining that throughout the companies and, and getting it really into your dna that uh, a customer is, is no longer fixed to your company. Uh, it can, the customer can easily leave and go somewhere else 
if you're not able to fulfill uh, his uh, his or her needs. And and this I think was was a, a, the biggest mindset change. And next to this, of course, a, a large scale changes in in processes, in systems, in in products to to make uh, the market facilitation possible. And so it was a combination of, of a, a big mindset change and a lot of more technical process oriented changes. Right. And this combination uh, made it uh, a process that took took years to uh, to become successful. Um, which of those two? I'm going to ask you which of those two is harder, and you're going to tell me they're both hard. But in terms of changing mindsets or introducing new systems and processes, uh, equal challenge, or when you look back, you think, "Blimey, that one was a lot harder," and you know, that's the one that really causes problems. Yeah, well, in in, in the in, in my days as a as a consultant, we always talked about teaching the elephant how to dance, and and uh, for me. Uh, the, the biggest change is always the mindset change. And you can you can pretty rapidly change a process or a system, or um, but if, if the people working with it do not really uh, have in their DNA that they have to do it differently, that they have to use it in a different way, that they have to interact differently with the customers, then uh, the new systems and the new processes eventually uh, are not effective. So uh, the mindset change and, and the skill set change is, is for me always the biggest change. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's look back, Arjun, at your your time at Essent, uh, one of the leading energy retailers in the Netherlands. You were you worked there from uh, ten years from two thousand and six to two thousand and sixteen. Um, what can you tell us a bit about that mindset change during that time and? How you were involved in that? Anything that stands out? Any any key learnings that you can share with our listeners or key insights? Well, I was I was uh, leading the B two C division at that time in, in 2009 2010 when when the the real effects of the new systems and, and new processes were coming into effect and it was a, a huge change and at that time that was an organization B two C alone was was 2,000 people. Uh, eight locations, four brands, two and a half million customers. And if you see where they are right now, they're still serving the same amount or even more customers, I think with currently about 600 people. So that, that shows a bit of what, what happened in, in the meantime with uh, digitization, uh, more effective and efficient processes. And uh, Ascent very consciously went through that through that change and transition process uh, and really put it as a change program in place. Uh, and and uh, the second thing they did, and that was that came a few years later, is that they took advantage of the fact that they had some, some shares in so-called service partners, so companies with, mm -hmm. uh, with craftsmen uh, having uh, service and maintenance contracts and installation capabilities, and they extended that position and built up a significant workforce in the Netherlands. Uh, beyond their services workforce, the, the call center, the billing capabilities that you expect with a normal energy company, now adding capabilities uh, to to have craftsmen on the on the street being able to serve uh, customers at home uh, in their heating systems, uh, solar panels, etc. And and they built they built it up pretty quickly. It was a buying decision, so to say, to, mm. to create these capabilities and and also be able to serve. Uh, customers with new products and services that were not in in the portfolio of, of the classical energy company. And was that um, 
was there a, a debate whether to buy that and bring that in or whether to keep that as a, a contract model, an outsourced model? Was that a big discussion? Yeah, that was a big discussion and it was also a lot of, of trial and error and learning. Yeah? So what, what was mm. the best way to to, to deal with that? Uh, on, on the one hand, you want to, and it's with every, I think every capability you buy as a company, you want to keep the strength of that capability and on the other hand, get the benefits out of the integration. And, and that balance is always a difficult one. So uh, yeah. you have a, a large central organization, very uh, digital, very focused on customer service uh, from a central call center. That's a totally different type of company uh, that, uh, than a company with, uh, with a couple of hundred uh, craftsmen on the road, uh, focusing on service and, and maintenance contracts. So getting the best out of both worlds is, is it's always a difficult uh, uh, process and uh, it took us a couple of years to really find the best balance in, in, in working together. Looking at branding, looking at uh, what, what uh, go-to-market strategy you follow for, for those type of products, uh, uh, looking at uh, the digitization of the whole process. And I think by now they, they, they found a good balance and, and uh, getting really benefits for the customers. Well, I've certainly seen a number of energy retailers um, buy or try and develop that capability and get it wrong, and uh, some indeed then then selling that off because they just didn't understand or weren't able to successfully integrate those two very different types of businesses. Um, in terms of changing the mindset, uh, last question about this from your your time at Essent. There are many ways to do that. You, you could recruit different types of people with different skill sets, uh, reorganize, introduce KPIs, um, new KPIs. Uh, is there anything you can highlight that you look back and think that was really that was a really key thing in helping to change our mindsets to a customer-led organization? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think it's it's changing a mindset is never one measure, of course. That's always a mm. Uh, a, a group of measures or orchestra that has to really work together towards the same goal. Um, I think in, uh, with hindsight, Ascent was very uh, aware of the needed change. And, and I think that is one of the biggest assets if you are aware of it uh, and, and, and you can jointly uh, with the management team work on all the parts that you need to get it into place uh, in a programmatic way, a coordinated way, I think that is a, that is a big asset, and uh, yeah. I think that helped Ascent a lot um, that that they did it in that in that way. Uh, and and uh, so I, I would not name one one measure that made mm. a difference. I, I think it's more the fact that they saw it as a, a, a congruent way, a set of measures that all needed to work together in the same direction. Uh, and I guess that required leadership. And again, thinking of my my experiences in working with energy retailers, that, that leadership hasn't always been there to drive home that, that customer focus, that customer centricity. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you're naming uh, the key point here. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it starts at the top or it doesn't start at all. And so you, you really yeah. need the, the leadership and mindset in the top of the organization and, and Ascent had that in place. And uh, it also takes endurance. Huh? It's, it's, uh, yeah. You're right. And other companies also taking a step and then uh, one and a half year later coming to the conclusion, well, it doesn't work, so we stop. 
um, some some changes take time, and and, and you need to be in, you need to be in there for the long run. You need to have a strategic view on things, uh, and, and if you Otherwise, uh, you step out too early, or or do not mm. get the fruits that you that you are planning. Yeah, I guess knowing that it's not going to be easy when you start, and it won't all go smoothly, but it needs persistence and resilience. Exactly. Um, uh, so after Essence, your role was in um, B two C and uh, change and transformation at Essence. You you then moved to Essence, then parent company, Energy. Uh, as international lead in energy plus uh, and retail program management and then B2C marketing. Uh, tell us a bit about the, uh, without going uh, too much into anything you're not comfortable in sharing, tell us a bit about what you saw when you, you made that move and your experiences in, in those roles in terms of this sort of change to product services solutions and customer centricity that we're talking about. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a very interesting uh, period because I, I stepped in at the, the moment that Energy really started huh, as a uh, versus daughter company of RWE, and and then also um, uh, going to the uh, going and doing an IPO and and etc. So what Energy did is they they took a different approach in different countries and tried to learn from that. So it, it, it was not they were not convinced that it had to go left or right. But they tried different ways and 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 tried to really learn quick learn quickly from that. In Germany, they they started early already already under RWE to design and build own technical products like like smart home. You know it well, sure. John. So yep. uh, that, that they learned a lot, but they also invested a lot. So it was it was uh, not an easy road that they went, uh, and not all products that they designed and and produced were easy to get to the market. It was it was a technology push approach where they really really uh, developed the, the products themselves um, for a market that was almost not not there yet. Uh, so mm -hmm. um, in other countries they followed a more similar approach, like a cent. Eh? For instance, in, in Poland they they bought a solar company uh, and and, and uh, very successfully expanded that across the Polish market. Um, internationally, to get those learnings out, they implemented a category management approach. Uh, to, to, to maximize the synergies uh, in, in, in the different categories, for instance, in buying solar panels across all countries where mm -hmm. energy was uh, was active. So this combination of, of different local approaches and, and a, a, an international uh, ribbon around it, uh, following a category management approach, I think was a, a, an intelligent way of uh, learning from all the different transitions and and getting the best out of it. And, and uh, also here, uh, there's not one best way. Uh, there's no school solution. Mm. It's very much dependent on on, uh, uh, on the leadership, on the strategic vision, on, on the consequent implementation of all the measures. Um, so I would not say that one method is better than the other, um, yeah. but the success factors are, are more important than, uh, than the eventual uh, choice, from my perspective. So one thing I'd like to just drill into a bit is this um, th the fact from what you described very much an attitude of rolling up your sleeves getting your hands dirty getting involved trying different approaches um, now some of those approaches involve quite a lot of investment like for example developing a, uh, a portfolio of smart home products um, buying a buying a solar company in Poland 
how how hard was that given the uncertainties about what the right approach was with smart homes there wasn't even a market there as you described it it's really about creating a market so those are fairly chunky investment decisions with quite a lack of certainty about what the the return on those investment decisions will be that that must have been hard yeah, and it became increasingly harder uh, when when the financial results were, of course, not coming. Mm. So um, it's it's uh, uh, we come from a situation where energy companies, uh, especially with a, a production backup like RWE, um, were still relatively successful and, and earn, earning a relatively good rate on return. And, and from that basis, they knew they had to develop that the, the future was changing, that, that energy flexibility, energy transition was coming in Germany. So they needed they needed different products, they needed new business models, and they still had money to invest. So uh, at that moment in time, uh, taking the decision to do it is not that difficult and uh, to try it out. But what happens uh, as, as you go further down, you invest more and more and more money. At a certain moment in time, the go-to-market strategy needs to pay off, and the EBIT needs to come. And and mm -hmm. what do you do when it doesn't come quickly enough? So that that, mm -hmm. that was a that was a difficult time for certain products. And and you see, for instance, that the, the smart home, as as an example, uh, was part only partly successful. It didn't work in all countries, and and it, yep. it, so it's it's, uh, it's it's not an easy way to go uh, as an energy company to really develop everything yourself. On the other hand, you, you learn an awful lot if you do it, but you need to mm. really make, make sure you're in it for the long run. And, and I think what, what they learned at that time as well is that they need to find the right partners to do things like that. that, that, that doing everything yourself in a complex environment is, is not always the best way. And I guess that comes back to a bit about the uh, discussion we had earlier about do you do, you do this in houses, a core competence? Do you outsource it? Do you partner and develop it jointly? Absolutely. Um, yeah, and there's not a right or wrong answer. Have you come to any sort of conclusions yourself, or has your experiences made you think, well, more often than not, one approach is going to work better than another approach, or is that that too hard to say? Yeah, it's, uh, if if I would have a golden bullet, I would have already written a book about it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's what's um, what I've learned is, you know, building it up yourself is a very timely and costly effort. Um, mm -hmm. But it can pay off if you're in it for the long run uh, and, and if you really invest in the technical capabilities and, and, and build it up. And we talk about immobility uh, a little bit later. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I think this is where we've been quite successful in doing it. Um, yeah. But it takes a lot of time and, and you need to have that time and be willing to invest that time. Uh, so buying it, of course, is, is something that uh, uh, goes much faster and, and gives yeah. you uh, much faster access to the capabilities that you need. But then you get mm -hmm. the integration question. Eh? Can you bring it together? Yeah. Can you make it work together? Different companies, different uh, ways of working. Um, and, and that creates a complex complexity on its own. Uh, and and yeah. some companies are more successful in that than others. Uh, finding the right balance between uh, keeping it at arm's length and, and making it uh, keeping the, the, the benefits, and on the other hand, uh, uh, jointly develop the propositions and, and, and get the integration efforts uh, benefits out. 
it's uh, I don't think there is a, a recipe book here, but it's uh, mm. it's clear that both methods have their, their their pros and cons, and both methods have their their own risks and and uh, success factors that you need to manage very consistently. Yeah, if I again think back to the companies that that I've worked with, that DeltaE's worked with. Originally, I think a lot of the tendency, the natural tendency would be to develop in-house and it was quite difficult to, to think about partnering or jointly developing. Um, now I see that, that changing more and a lot more innovation labs, a lot more uh, quick agile development with partners. So it seems to me that, that as you say, there's not a right or a wrong. Um, developing in-house can, can be successful but you need to make a very conscious choice to do that. Whereas I think too often in the past, that's been the default way of doing things. And um, then people have realized, oh, this takes a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of patience, and we might not be the best at doing it. Um, yeah, exactly. Where where do you want to be in the value chain? Yeah, and what, where, yeah. where are your training? Uh, where, where is a natural position where you know you can be successful? And where is yeah. it not? And, and But on the other hand, sometimes you need to have a certain depth in the value chain to get the money out, eh? to, to, to have the, the right margins in the end. Uh, and, and you cannot be scattered all over the value chain and, and, and pick and choose sometimes. So it's, uh, it's, it's, not, a, it's not an easy, uh, an easy decision to take. Well, let's move on now to your current role. So since March of this year, you've been CEO of Energy E-Mobility Solutions. Um, for our listeners, will you just give a, a very quick summary of what that business is because it's more along the, the make lines or build in house lines that we talked about um, and then some of your observations coming into this business yeah well first of all it's it's a it's, it's very ex it's a very exciting market uh, it's a uh, uh, it, it has been growing already but it's taking now off at an even more rapid pace with expected growth numbers uh, across europe uh, uh, exceeding the 30% per year. Um, and I think we have a, a unique position as energy mobility solutions because we deliver both the AC and DC hardware and the connecting software. Okay. And uh, all from our, our own development. And if you, if you look at where we are, uh, um, part of it we developed ourselves and part of it we, we bought. And so uh, the AC hardware, we, we have fully developed ourselves in, in Germany, uh, coming from the same roots uh, from RWE as, as we just discussed for, for Smart Home with uh, yeah. strong engineering capability, uh, um, not building it ourselves. We, we have a production uh, company that does it for us. But all the IP is, is with us. And, uh, yep. and that's, so you're right, you're that's, right into that part of the value chain, deep in exactly. that part of the value chain. You're, you're yeah. right in the heart of that value chain. And, uh, but on the other hand, we, we saw, of course, that the market is, is uh, now also rapidly developing for DC. And uh, that means that for, for two years, we uh, uh, bought a company in the US, PTC Power, mm -hmm. who has exactly that capability. So who has been building uh, DC hardware for years already. And for instance, uh, uh, supplying uh, large CPOs in, in North America, like Electrify America, uh, with, mm -hmm. with their DC hardware. And, and they have now uh, production facility in, in Cebu on the Philippines and that, mean that, we, that means that we now have, have our own IP and, and knowledge and products uh, both in AC and DC 
uh, and and the same thing we have on on the on the connecting software side. So uh, mm. we have developed an, an own software platform for many years already, uh, which uh, we have migrated this year uh, fully to microservices and to the cloud. So it's fully uh, scalable architecture, and and uh, we are connecting over uh, 120,000 charging points across Europe already over that over that system. And um, that means that that both on the hardware and software side, we can basically uh, uh, facilitate all use cases for e-mobility, yeah? whether you're charging at home, at your workplace, whether you're in the public domain uh, or, or charging along the highway uh, with uh, ultra-fast charging. Um, we have uh, the, the products to, to support this. And, and that makes it a very interesting situation where we are right now in this market uh, taking off rapidly uh, and, and uh, um, it's, it's a very exciting time uh, to work in this uh, in this new situation, new market for me. And, and that's uh, as you said, it's a fast-moving market. It's um, it's not an open space because that, that market has been around for a number of years. But there's a bit of a uh, a battle going on for that for that market. There won't be there won't be many tens of winners in this market. There'll probably be a smaller number of of winners what's your what do you think are the key things uh that energy is is focusing on needs to focus on to to really make sure that you come out as as one of the key players in this market yeah it's it's uh, it's very interesting to see that i mean you're right the market is there for for some time already but the dynamics that are happening right now are are unprecedented before right? you see the you see the car manufacturers are finally really producing uh, models in a, in a broad sense yeah, that, that, uh, until until a couple of years it was it was tesla and it was a long time nothing and by now yeah. we have really uh, a broader range of, of vehicles on the road uh, the numbers are are even uh, in, in this uh, COVID uh, times that is one of the few uh, types of cars that, that are still growing uh, in, in sure. sales, so the growth rate is 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 uh, is going up, and uh, so when you, when you want to be successful in a market like that, you you need to have the right products, uh, you need to have uh, customer access in in the markets where you you want to be. So for us, that's North America and Europe. So we have, uh, as you know, a sales office in the UK, in France, in, in, in Germany. We have, of course, a large presence. Um, uh, and the same goes in, in, in Santa Ana, in California, uh, covering the US and Canadian market. Um, you really need to understand your customers and customer strategy because that, that changes a lot as well. We are a B2B company, so we are delivering to large OEMs, large CPOs, uh, 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 cities. Uh, so. We need to really understand what goes on there with our customers and, and be able to deliver at the right moment in time with a, a customer journey that, that really works. And, and you see now that this market is also shifting from pure technology products. We're getting more and more customer focused here as well uh, and, and really putting products on the market that are easy to use and uh, for, for the EV, uh, um, EV driver. In the past, it was more and more focused on, uh, on you know, simply making sure the technology works. Yeah. By now, it's much more than that. Uh, it's, it's also point of sale, having payment modules on the, and so that in the end, it will be only a success if the EV driver can uh, effortlessly drive through Europe 
uh, and charge wherever he wants to uh, uh, with, with, the, with the card he has or with the payment methods he has. And, and uh, that means we need roaming concepts. We need so it's it's really so, uh, a broad set of, of capabilities that you need it, as a company right now to be successful. So it really does. I I think it to me it comes back full circle to your time at, at Essence when the the market for electricity retail and gas gas retail was opened up in the late 2000s. Um, you've got you know, Energy's got built up a really strong heritage in, in products, in the charging products, AC and acquiring DC. You've, you've layered on uh, software uh, onto that. You have packaged that up as solutions. Um, but the key battle now as the market transforms from technology push to, I guess, delivering a great experience of customers will be that, that service and how you package that together and offer Absolutely. that up to the market. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And that's for us also still, uh, we also still have to learn a lot there. Right? If you look at our, our rollout of DC products across uh, mm. Europe, uh, we also need a strong service management offering there that uh, our customers, if you're a large CPO, you don't want to worry about the reliability of your charges. Right? You want to make sure that those things are working all the time because that is where your money comes from. So we need mm. strong service management capabilities across Europe. To be able uh, to, as soon as as a, as a charger has a problem, serve it directly, have 24-hour uh, uh, spare parts delivery, uh, yeah. have have service uh, uh, capabilities in all countries available. That is that is something that that is now rapidly building up as well. Hmm. So is it the same again? Coming full circle back to the beginning of our discussion, you highlighted on one hand, the right systems and processes and so on, and on the other hand, the mindset. Would you apply those two things to, to where you are today? Is that, is that uh, or are there, is there a, a different uh, different thing you need to focus on to really drive that, that customer centricity into, into the business? No, I think you're very right. Huh? So I think it's, 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 it's again, both. Huh? And what's interesting mm. to see, if I look at my, my, my team at, at Energy, uh, it's a lot of people with a real heart for immobility. I, I have mm -hmm. uh, hardly ever experienced that so strongly that the, the people working with us are really convinced of, of uh, really in the heart their EV drivers and EV users, and they, they really They're passionate. Yeah. Further. So yeah. the, the mindset is really uh, um, extraordinary. Focused on 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 EV. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes it needs some extra more customer focus, and but but they, uh, I think from a mindset perspective, we have we have the right. Uh, I see the people having the heart in the right place, and and, and working yeah. relentlessly across the uh, uh, across all our product groups and and uh, around the clock to make things work for our customers. Eh? And, and directly when when a charger is not working, uh, jumping on it. So mm. I think mindset-wise, I see. Uh, um, we don't have. We're not coming from a, a mentality of uh, uh, okay, customers cannot go anywhere. We're coming yep. from a real, yep. uh, from a different mentality. So, I think that the, the challenge here is more in uh, really understanding the customer needs and and fitting the, the value propositions to that, and making sure you can deliver it flawlessly to the market at the right speed. Eh? And speed is essential yeah. as well at, at the moment uh, um, uh, because. Uh, the, 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 the market is commoditizing on the AC side as well, so you need to be able to to uh, 
with every product cycle it needs to fit right so every yeah. every life cycle of a, you cannot miss one product cycle because your competition will directly be ahead of you uh, yeah. both in, in cost and in, in, in functionality so it's yeah. uh, uh, it's it's very it's a very dynamic but also a very uh, competitive market. Well, it sounds like a uh, a fascinating role you're in at the moment, Arjun, and um, yeah, an area where there's a huge amount of passion and a huge need to get those solutions for customers right. So uh, e-mobility can continue to to grow uh, in the way it's going, and we can move to. A, a more sustainable future for how we drive about. Um, now, it's time to bring out the, the Talking New Energy Crystal Ball, uh, which is how we end all our podcasts. So uh, the question I'd, I'd like to ask you is this. Thinking of companies like, I guess, Essenton Energy, uh, as they were, so incumbent utilities or incumbent energy retailers in general, maybe in Northwest Europe, uh, if 10 out of 10 means they're behaving and acting as a best-in-class retailer, agile, fast-moving, customer-centric, all the things we've talked about, and zero out of 10 means they're thinking of meter points rather than customers, how would you score the sector today? And if we put the crystal ball setting to 2025, how would you score the sector in 2025? So utilities in, in general in Northwest Europe, for example. Yeah, that's it. Differs, of course, a bit across countries and and companies, but especially yeah. if, depending on on if there is a high customer churn, a lot of competition. Uh, where, for instance, the UK and the Dutch and the Nordics are are more competitive markets at the moment than, for instance, the German market. But in in general, I would give most incumbents uh, a seven point five, and I would say they're moving towards an eight point five. So that's, okay. uh, uh, there's a lot of work done uh, and. Uh, I think most energy incumbents are really aware that uh, that they need to develop. Have done a lot of good work, um, mm -hmm. and uh, but they will become even more, even better going forward. Yeah. So a lot of the transformation done, but more still further to go. Absolutely. Well, Arjun, it's been fascinating talking with you, and uh, really appreciate you. Uh, sharing your your experiences and uh, learnings over all the uh, the work you've done in Netherlands, Germany, and beyond. Wishing you the best of luck with energy e-mobility solutions. Uh, and yeah, thanks very much. We really appreciated it and enjoyed the discussion. Thank you very much, John. I enjoyed it too. Thank you. So that's the end of today's episode. That's the last one in our current series. So we'll be taking a short break of a couple of weeks and then be back with a brand new series towards the end of November. Thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and welcome you back soon. Goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcasts and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.